You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey, we're in our series walking through 1 Corinthians, and we're, we're hitting chapters 12, 13, and 14. And uh, if we were taking a little river trip, a little river guide, I would might be saying, okay, we've got some rapids coming up, folks. We kind of, you know, let's buckle our seatbelts to how this all works. And uh, I would say one of the top 10 questions I get from college students is, okay, Sean, especially if they're new Christians or new believers, what's this deal about tongues? I've got a friend you know, who goes to this other church and they're glad that I know Jesus. They're glad that I'm saved and I have a relationship with him. But they're telling me that I, I really should be, you know, the speaking in tongues thing. So what's the deal? So I've teed you up now that we're not going to talk about that today. <laughs> we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks, actually, in chapter 14. But you can't really understand that chapter until you really understand chapters 12 and 13. In fact, next week we'll talk about chapter 13. You've Heard of it before many times. In fact, a lot of weddings will be in it. It's the love chapter, you know. Uh, love is patient, love is kind. We don't realize it, but that's actually a, a passage that's what we're supposed to be as fellow Christians, truly loving one another. This morning, uh, we're looking at kind of spiritual gifts in general, just a, how God has, has truly gifted us. Uh, the Corinthian church, they, as you guys know, they just were clueless in so many ways. In fact, we start out this morning again, Paul is like, I don't want you to be uninformed. In other words, I really don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be, you know, clueless, we would say, but you are. So let me fill you in on what's going on is what's happening. And the backstory is this, is there were people in the church that were using in ministry, they were using these gifts that God had given them at their salvation, and it was causing division. And there was almost like a status thing going on. Well, this person is speaking really well, and wow, look at them, and they were kind of up on a pedestal or... This person didn't have very much, and they were kind of lower, you know, lower ranking, and they were, they were taking pride in just all of this stuff. And Paul is just trying to cut through all of that and say, look, guys, um, that is not what this is about. In fact, and what spiritual gifts really are is a gift, that, a manifestation of God in our midst that He wants to pull us together instead of sending us apart. Instead of dividing us, which is what the Corinthian church was doing, the gifts were separating, causing divisions and probably jealousies and rivalries, a part of the problem. They're meant to pull us together as the body of Christ. And so we're going to look at those this morning. So much, we don't so much have the trouble, problem in our church of divisions in general right now. Um, I pray it stays that way, but we don't have the, and never have had the problem of division of just, uh, you know, over spiritual gifts. But we do want to wade into the fact that God desires to use each and every one of us in ministry. And I think this morning, my challenge this morning is to encourage us in that. But I think you're going to find that we're ministering oftentimes when we don't even realize it. So turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. Look at chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read just the first few verses just to kind of kick us off, and uh, then we're going to get started. So read verse 1 with me. Paul says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. In other words, you are right now uninformed. Let me fill you in. He says, You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in, in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is the Lord except in the Holy Spirit. 
Paul starts off and says, guys, you're not really up to speed on this, so let me help you out. And there were people who were speaking, and they were having trouble discerning. People were saying, well, I'm speaking the words of God, and people were saying, Jesus is accursed. And they were like, well, he has the gift of knowledge or prophecy. We should listen to him. And the person was claiming it. And somebody else would say, no, Jesus is Lord. And they didn't know who to believe. Paul is cutting through all of that this morning. So five things I want you to notice quickly this morning, that things that we don't need to underestimate. And the first thing is that I want us to realize is that we should not underestimate what God can do through each and every one of us. We tend to do that. We tend to think, well, God can't use me. I don't know what could possibly happen. What do I have to offer? Don't ever underestimate what God can do through you. Look what the Bible says in verse 4. It says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation, the demonstration of the Spirit, if you will, for the common good. Paul says, look, guys, he says, it is God who empowers these gifts in us. Sean, what do you mean gifts? I'm not talking, there's a difference between a spiritual gift and other kinds of gifts. Like if you see an amazing talent, somebody who is an amazing artist or an amazing musician or a uh, an amazing athlete or an amazing, I mean, just all kinds of things. Just we, we have all worked with people, been around people that just are gifted, we would say, at what they do. They just have an incredible knack, a talent, just something a little more than the average other person. Uh, I try to convince every week the music team that I'm one of those individuals with singing, and they just... I, they must just think I'm so good that I'll make them look bad because they never invite me up. And I try to tell, convince them that I'm that guy. That's, that kind of stuff is not what we're talking about here today. Our, those are more like our talents. Spiritual gifts are things that God gives us, supernatural abilities because the Holy Spirit is in us, that we receive at the time of our salvation. You see, one of the things that happens when we receive, surrender our life to Jesus Christ and receive Him as Lord of our life is the Holy Spirit comes and He makes His life, if you will, within us. He dwells in us and He imparts to us a supernatural ability. It's not like superheroes. You're not, you know, any kids in the room, you're not going to become Iron Man or, you know, or Captain America, nothing like that. But He gives us these abilities to serve in ways that were not naturally ours before. And so maybe think of it this way. If you can take a, a gift, if you will, and use it for the enemy, use it to do evil, use it to do bad, that's not a spiritual gift. These are things that you can only use in serving God. These are things like the gift of mercy, like the gift of, gift of helps, the gift of, of, of teaching, a uh, gift of hospitality. There's a, a gift of faith, which, by the way, it's, it, that reminds me that all of the gifts we're supposed to use, right? Everybody ends up teaching somebody in life. I don't care you know, who you are. Everybody needs to show mercy. Everybody needs to show hospitality. Everybody needs to have faith. But these, are, these gifts kind of take that and go to a whole nother level of beyond that. And so God has imparted these to us. So what that means for you and for me is this, that we should not underestimate what God 
can do through us. Some people live life very confidently, believing that they can conquer the world and just amazing. Most people don't live that way. Most people are like, well, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know what God could do. And what happens is when we have that kind of mentality, that kind of thinking, we actually are putting all of the responsibility of serving and of ministry and whatever we're thinking about doing on us. And what Paul is trying to remind them is like, hey, guys, this is something that God has done, that God has put this in you. So don't ever underestimate. Don't underestimate what God can do in you and through you to bless other people. I remember I was in, this is a long time ago, but I had been in, in seminary. I knew that God was calling me to be a, a minister of some type. I didn't know what, quite what, and I was in school, that kind of thing. And had come from a church in Maine, and a, just a very small church. In fact, we could probably have all fit, I know we could have, just in this kind of center section. It was a new church, and... Um, and there was a man in that church, uh, his name was Walter Snow. My wife will probably remember Walter, and he was in his 80s. In fact, he trusted Christ in his 80s, just a really sweet, older, you know, gentleman. And, and I remember one morning, I, we were living on uh, Crane Street, or Fifth Ave, right off of Crane Street in Schenectady, and uh, doing my devotion and reading. And just as I was reading that passage, it, just, it was like it came alive to me for Walter, and so I wrote down, I wrote Walter a letter. This was before email, so I'm dating myself here a bit. Besides, he, I mean, he was in his 80s at that stage. He wouldn't have had it anyway. But, um, uh, and, and I just, I wrote those words in it to encourage him, to uplift his soul. Not for any reason of anything other than just, I just, that was what was in my heart. And I remember after that, that that just so blessed him. He said, you have the gift of encouragement and all of that. And I thought, well, I probably don't have the gift of encouragement. I don't think I do. So you, some of you are like, yeah, you do, Sean. Some of you are like, you know, you definitely don't. <laughs> if you live in my house, you probably know I definitely don't have the gift of encouragement. But uh, I know how to show encouragement, and we're all supposed to encourage. But I sell that to say this. I just wrote a simple little letter, and you would have thought that I had sent Walter a million dollars with what it did for him. Don't underestimate what God does through us in our ministry. Now, two things that comes out of this. One thing is, is we should stop wanting what other people have with ministry and gifts. We should stop looking at the other guys saying, I wish I was like that. Look what the Bible says. Fast forward down to verse 11. It says this. It says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually Read those last three words with me. As He wills. Who makes the choice of the gifts, spiritual gifts that you have? God does. We don't. Some might say, well, why can't... Why? I wish I could speak better like so-and-so. Or I wish I could do this better like so-and-so. I wish I was like them. I wish I had so much incredible faith like them. We need to realize that... God has made us, and He has gifted us exactly who we are. Now, any sin and evil and junk in your heart and all the goofs-ups and mess-ups and the messes you make in life, yeah, that's on you. That's not on God. But all the other stuff, that's God. And He designed you and He fitted you and He gifted you. And this may sound, um, I don't know, cliche-ish or romanticized or whatever I want to do, corny, I don't know. But there's nobody in the world that can be a better you than you. There's no, God, nobody can fill your role in this world better 
than you. There only needed to be one Billy Graham in this world. There didn't need to be two or three. There doesn't need to be two or three of you. There only needs to be one. So we should stop looking at the other person saying, oh, I wish I was more like them and like that. No, God has gifted you to serve in this place, this time to live the life that's in front of you and the power is his. The second thing it tells us we should do is to not take credit for it. You see, pride begins to seep in whenever you start serving God. Somewhere along the way, you start in early, and there's usually humility, and most people are just like, well, I don't know if I can do this, and you step out, and like, wow, and it begins to work well, and you're like, wow, that worked well. And if you're not careful, you start taking credit for that. And what Paul is telling us is, is yeah, no, that wasn't you. You're really not that good. <laughs> it's really God who's doing it through you. So don't take credit for it. Whenever God uses you, I don't care whether you're writing a letter or you're speaking this to a million people or you're serving, whatever you're doing, remember that it's the God of heaven who gave you those abilities to bless other people. So he's the one who gets the credit. Second thing, don't underestimate. Don't underestimate the small things that you do. Look what Paul says in verse 4. He says, now there are varieties of gifts. There are many different types of spiritual gifts. Helps, mercy, giving is a gift. We're all supposed to give, but there are some who really have the gift of giving. You know you've got that gift, by the way. If you're married, your spouse is like, really? We're going to give this away too? Because you're always wanting to give stuff away. And your spouse is like, ah, we're going to, you know, what in the world? You probably have the gift of giving if that's, if that's you. So uh, there's all different kinds of gifts. But he says in, in verse 5, and there are varieties of service. In other words, those gifts get expressed differently in different types of ministries and service with the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities. So not even just the ministries, the service broadly, but different activities and things within those. Sometimes I hear people saying, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. And, 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 and it sounds as if they're expecting in their life to be this really big thing. And it almost sounds like they're waiting for God to kind of reveal something big, you know. And fast forward 10 years later, and it's still not there. So I want us to realize that we should not underestimate the small stuff that we do, the little things that we do. We're not talking about just ministries here that are big and showy. We're talking about little things. We're talking about all of them. If you watch any of the sports, whether it's basketball or baseball, uh, the World Series is on right now, and I'm going to have to have a conversation with the ladies because there's some uh, illegal contraband up here. In fact, some law enforcement officers need to really examine things better. There's a Yankees blanket up here. I'm just like, really? Like, you're going to just put that on the front row in front of me? Oh, my goodness. And expect me not to say anything about it? You know, but if you watch any of the sports, I don't care if it's baseball, basketball, football, any coach will tell you, and if the players know anything that's going on, they will tell you it's the little things that matter. It's not just the, you know, the famous superstar that makes the one crazy dunk highlight reel, you know, one amazing move, doesn't win the game. It's all the little stuff. So when we think about that when it comes to a church setting, there's a million and one things. It's the word of encouragement that you have. If you've got the gift of encouragement, saying thank you, saying you are awesome, saying you rock. That may not seem like a huge thing, but that's what encouragers are supposed to do. People of the gift of mercy are supposed to be around people that are hurting and that are suffering and have 
mercy upon them. People with the gift of hospitality are supposed to make people feel welcomed and accepted and loved. Some of you, that will be in your home, inviting people over so that you can minister to them to serve them if they know Jesus, and if they don't know Jesus, so that you can have an opportunity to introduce them to Jesus. Others of you have a gift of hospitality, you know, may help us out here to make sure that, you know, we're trying to put our best foot forward so that people feel welcome, invited. Who wants to go to a church where nobody makes anybody feel welcome and loved? I mean, I don't want to go there, and neither does anybody else. So don't underestimate the ministries that God has in front of you. Don't underestimate all the little things. Don't, Don't sit around saying, well, one day maybe I'll do something big. Instead, recognize that God wants to use you in all the little stuff, not just on Sundays, but all the days of the week in people's lives. He has given that to you and put that inside of you to use it phenomenally. You see, what that means in a nutshell is, is that, you know, there's a lot of ministries that we do through our church, but the vast majority of our ministries will be things that there'll never be a sign-up sheet for, There'll never be a PowerPoint slide up here saying like the one that we always need help. Well, churches always need help cleaning their facilities and working with kids, always. Like that's always in season, always a reality. And, you know, we, we want that. Of course, we're careful to screen our kids' workers uh, closely and background checks and all of that and monitor all of that for obvious reasons. But um, those are things that we put out there. But I'm talking about the ministries that you do that nobody else knows that you do that you probably didn't even think of specifically as a ministry. And it can be all kinds of things from just saying thank you or writing an email of encouragement or blessing someone. If you've got the gift of service, just jumping in. People with the gift of service are amazing because they just fix problems before anybody else knows it's a problem. They hop in and solve things and uh, put things together and work and everybody else enjoys it and they don't. They are never noticed until they don't do their ministry. Because when they don't do their ministry, then it's like, oh my goodness, you know, things start falling apart. So I want to say thank you, and I want to challenge you to not blow by those ministries and to truly avail yourself, God. If you feel that you are not, you know, serving or ministering in some way, I suspect you're serving more than you think you are. And so, but my challenge is, is maybe God wants you to do something else. And so all of us should be saying this morning, God, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. Help me to discern that. Whether it's little stuff, whether it's big stuff, whether it's stuff that you get signed up for on, you know, in a church setting, or it's just something that you just see that God puts on your heart. But don't underestimate the small stuff because there's so many different things that God wants to use us in other people's lives. Third thing we shouldn't underestimate. Don't underestimate the value of each person. Notice what verse 7 says. It says, To each, each person is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then he goes through and he talks about some things. To one is given through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge. And he goes on and shares, uh, continues there. Um, And in verse 11, he says, All these are empowered by the same Spirit who apportions to each one, each person. Here's what that means. Any person who has surrendered their life to Christ, no one can say, Well, I just didn't get any gifts that day. God just doesn't have a role for me and a ministry for me. That's not true. God 
has given each and every single follower of His at least one, most likely multiple gifts, and He, and he wants us to use those. There's a very large church in America, I'll leave their name out, but I would say probably arguably one of the top ten most influential churches in the country. And they did a study a number of years ago, and, and the church had just seen a lot of people that had trusted Christ and grown um, spiritually and numerically. And it's a, it would be a global, world-famous kind of church. I mentioned the name. Many of you would recognize it. But they did a study, and they realized that after a while, new Christians in their church began to get dissatisfied, disenfranchised, and would leave this church. And it was an amazing church. And they began trying to figure out why. And you know what they figured out why? It was because in this church, by the way, was awesome. They, they knew how to serve brand new people and they came in to make people feel welcome. And they had all the programming and all the bells and the whistles and all the stuff that you would just go, wow, that's such an amazing thing. You know, the great ministries and music programs and everything, kids galore and all of that. But they began noticing in time, people began getting disfranchised and leaving. You know what they figured out? People get stunted in their growth when they sit there and don't do anything. People want to serve. They want to do something. They want to get up, and they want to be a part of changing the world. Here's the thing. God wants each and every one of us to grow through serving. There is a whole lot in your life that you'll never learn that unless you serve others. The whole Christian life is a life of sacrifice. It's the, it's the message that God loved us and sent His Son Jesus to sacrifice Himself on the cross to save us from our sins. And just like Jesus said before He went out, He says, you know, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Like, I came leaving my home, going out to serve and lay my life down for others. I'm turning around and I'm sending you out to go and do the same, to serve others. The Christian life is a life of service. You see, something happens. I mean, we all need to learn and to grow. Discipleship fun fundamentally is more than knowing stuff. I was talking with some, a couple uh, of our college interns this week, and, and, and I always get a little nervous with the word discipleship because for so many people, it basically means learning knowledge. You sit down, you either get lectured, or you open up a book and you get all this knowledge. But when the Bible talks about what we're supposed to do, it actually puts action to it. Matthew 28, you know, the Bible says to go make disciples. It's actually evangelism. Baptize them and teach them not to know, but teach them to do all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Discipleship fundamentally is an action. It's a following kind of thing. That's why we in our, our statements, you know, that we're trying to help people know what we're all about is we want to help people experience life change by knowing and following Jesus Christ. Knowing is the salvation part that you surrender your life to Jesus. Following Jesus is the discipleship actionable that you are doing. You know, you're living and you're following Him, growing in your relationship with Him, but doing those things. And so Jesus, when He, he uh, tells us uh, through this passage is that He saves us, is that each one of us has a ministry, and part of that ministry is a part of our own growth process. You see, if we don't serve, not only do other people miss out, but our soul begins to shrink. I, not, not in reality, and I don't know how else to say it, but there is something that happens in your life when you serve and give of yourselves to somebody else. When you take your precious time, when you take a piece of your life, 
you know, or your finances or whatever, and you give to someone else, there's an enlargement of your soul. There is a, a surrendering even further in your, your walk with Christ, and you becomes a little sweeter, and you begin to grow even more, and it changes you. It forms your character. Your life begins to change through that service. So I say all that to say this. Our job as a church is to help everyone to find those ministries and find those, those avenues of service but most of it's not going to be on a Sunday morning. Some of it is. You know, thank the Lord for the hospitality crowd that helps make the coffee every week and switch in and out of that. I'm so grateful. The largest ministry in our church is our kids' teachers. I mean, we need like 40 people uh, just to, in our church just to run the kids' ministry every month. It's, like, it's a lot of uh, people. You know, back there this morning, there's probably eight or ten people right now serving and ministering with our, our kids. But the, what I know as a pastor, that I actually get to challenge people to serve, not because I want stuff done, and we don't as a church because we want stuff done. But what I know is this, is that it changes the people who do serve. It changes their life. It helps them. It helps them to grow, and it's a, an expression of living out what God has in front of us. So don't underestimate the value of every single person, every single one. Fourth thing. Don't underestimate the value of a team. Go down with me uh, in verse 14. Uh, we don't have time to look at the whole chapters. You guys know that's what our life groups are for, to dig in a little bit deeper along the way and uh, talk to things that may be popping in your mind. But verse 14 says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. But of many. Look down at verse 18. But as it is... As it is, God arranged the members of the body, one body but many members, each one of them as He chose. God put us together. Go with me down to verse 24. But God, the second part of verse 24, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. The same care. Don't underestimate the value of the team. You know, in our, our culture, in our society, it, it's a weakness if we need something, isn't it? We, we don't want to need something from somebody else. We want to be independent, under control, self-sustained, pull myself up by my own bootstraps, I don't know, need anything from anybody. That's our general mindset. Wouldn't you agree? It actually speaks to our pride, our ego, and our insecurity more than it does our stability. What I just read to you is this. God says, in effect, yeah, I put all you guys together because you've got needs. And you're all to be there together so that you can care for one another in the middle of that. Every single one of us in this room needs somebody else. We need multiple somebody else's in our life. That's what the church body is for. In fact, it's really, there's lots of wonderful ministries in the world, um, but the local church is the only ministry that has the full complement of the spiritual gifts and the gifted individuals at service together. And so even those ministries to function well need the local church to come alongside them 
in order to affect their ministry well. It's part of the reason I'm so grateful that we can partner with Crew because Crew, with the students, is able to do some neat things on campus in ways that we don't fully have access to, but they have limits to what they can do, and they need a church that has the full body, the complements of ministries and of gifts to come alongside them and to help students as they know that one day they're going to not be a college student anymore, and they will transition out of that. But every one of us has a need. You see, I look at it this way. I used to think of weaknesses as a problem, you know. Um, I, I used to think in my own life, well, I'm not as good at that. I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that. You know what I've realized over the years is that God gives us our weaknesses, not just our strengths. And He does it so that we will be in community together and rely on each other. And there are doorways and avenues to genuinely show love to one another. The Corinthian church did not get that. They, in fact, there was competition and strife and factions and all kinds of wonky weirdness going on and arrogance in the middle of it. And Paul just, the Apostle Paul just kind of cuts through all of that fog and he says, look, I want, God has designed this so that everybody is important. And when one person wins, the whole team wins. When one person suffers, the team suffers. And God's given everybody gifts so that everyone, it's, it's kind of, you know, no one is left behind, that everyone receives the care and the ministry and life that they're, that they're about. See, that's why life groups, for me, are so important. And by the way, this, if you're working and don't, you know, at night, and you have the night shift or whatever, and you can't be life groups, this is not a guilt thing. I'm just explaining to you what our life, our life groups are for. Life groups are not just for us to go and learn. They're for us to go and give. That's where relationships form a little bit deeper. That's where we get to know each other a bit more. That's where we get to recognize and we discover and discern where we are in life. And we begin to pray for one another as we share those needs. And we begin to support one another. And we begin to help each other outside of you know, Sunday morning. And that's where those connections are made even more. Doesn't have to just be life groups. Like if we do ministries together, if we're down, you know, serving a circle champs or other, any other things that we're doing, it's just that rubbing on life. But along the way, God wants us in relationship together because as a team, that's the way everyone learns and grows. Some people will be the teachers in the room that just have the ability to read scripture and discern and to help us to get it. Other people have the gift of mercy. Others will, you know, have the, 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 the gift of, of faith to challenge us. Uh, and to lift us up when we've got a big obstacle to say, no, God has got this. Let's tr trust Him. But together, the team is what God has put together to, to, to make us the church body and that He wants to bless and to reveal His work through us. See, think, think about it this way. All of these are a manifestation of God in our midst. God's not going to come show up in a cloud today. He could... And maybe I shouldn't say he's not going to because I could never presume upon what God will do or not do. But I really don't think he's going to do that. But what God is doing is saying, I want to show up in your midst through you guys functioning and serving, empowered by me through you. So God shows us the care and the concern. He shows us the challenging, the teaching, the wisdom, the discernment, the all through His Spirit, through the body functioning together. And so it's us who receive that benefit to bless uh, in that. So fourth, fifth thing, and then I'm done. Not only do, should we not underestimate 
the value of the, each person or us together as a team, but don't underestimate just serving in general, just simply serving. Many people say, well, I don't know what my gift is, and don't, don't get hung up on all of that. Don't, well, I'm not sure, Sean, if I've got this or that. By the way, I've also seen people say, well, I'm convinced I have this gift, and I want to say, no, you really don't. <laughs> I really love you, but you don't. Uh, don't underestimate the value of just jumping in, because here's what happens. More often than not, you just do something little, and your gift ultimately ends up finding you, because you usually find that you become good at that, and you like it, and you want to do a little bit more. You know, if you have a little baby, and you're trying to grow them, wean them from whatever baby food you're on to other things, you know, I don't know how this taste bud thing works. I know sugar is always good and in season, but get, you know, assuming you're not putting sugar in everything, but, you know, are they going to like peas or their green beans or their carrots or their potatoes or, you know, all of this stuff. And you're, you know, it's just so funny when you watch a new kid, the first new taste in their mouth, you know, how they respond to all of that. Think about ministry in the same way. Try something. You may like it. You may not. And, you know, at River, I think people in churches get so nervous, like, well, if I agree to volunteer for something, I'm going to be doing it for the next 10 years. No, you won't. It's okay. Uh, unless you're cat. I just saw you nod. You've been doing the cafe a good little while. So, um, yeah, you probably are behind this blanket up here, too, right? It's a conspiracy, man. <laughs> She's a Mets fan, so I did that just to jab her uh, in reality. Um, but don't underestimate the value of just jumping in. So you don't, Paul doesn't say, okay, everybody make sure you got your gifts figured out before you do anything. Let's be honest. There are ministries that need to happen, and there are chores that just need to happen. Anybody here have the gift of cleaning toilets in your house? What? I don't. My kids would be like, yeah, you never do it, Dad. We do. And I'm like, yes, thank you. That's, that's true. I do other things, but that's not on my chore list. Some things we do in churches and in life are just chores that need to get done. But we're talking about spiritual gifts. And so jump in and just serve. And along the way, as you serve, you'll find that God blesses you, that you'll touch people's lives. Are you going to sweat? Yes. Will it be hard? Yes. Will you get frustrated sometimes? Yes. Will it be inconvenient? Yes. Will it be all kinds of stuff? Yes. But along the way, something happens. And you begin discovering that you become, you're good at things and that God uses you and touches other people's lives. And so our job, guys, is to simply put the yes on the table, to write the yes, put it there and say, God, I'm yours. However you've gifted me and want me to serve, I want to do that. I want you to think about this morning about the ministries that God has in front of you. Maybe, maybe you have served and blessed others in some small ways, and you never realized that it was a bona fide, legitimate ministry. I, I want you this morning to take stock in that. And maybe lean into it even more. Maybe there's just some small things that you've done that really helped people and blessed them in the past. Don't be bashful. Step and lean into that more. You don't need permission. You don't need a sign-up sheet for it. You just need to do it. But maybe there's some ministry that you're thinking that, you know, God may be putting on your heart and mind. Our philosophy, this is always dangerous for a church, uh, for a pastor to say, but... 
Our philosophy as a church is pretty simple is we don't want to invent new ministries and say, hey, we've got this great ministry that none of everybody in the church is doing. Can we now get some people rallied to it? I would much rather support as a church ministries that are already going on within our body and just recognize that that's the gifts and the, the experiences that God has put. And I'd rather rally support to that. My asterisk fine print to that is say we may not be able to do all of them all the time. But that's what we want to do. And so maybe you've got a desire or ministry that you're involved in. And, you know, then my challenge this morning is, is to lean into that. And if it's something you're thinking about, you know, for us as a church, then, you know, let one of the pastors know. Little asterisks we reserve, you know, we'll explore it and see if it fits us and all of that. But respond to that. Maybe you're one of those Christians that are kind of sitting back and not really doing much of anything. My challenge to you is, is you're probably plateaued in your growth. Your heart's probably not as warm and soft to God as it should be because it just happens. We're, we're meant to be like a sponge. We're meant to, to receive from others and we're meant to squeeze out and give to others. It should flow through us, you know, that, that love and that grace. And so if we're not kind of being squeezed or in ministry and, and pushing some of that out, then we just get stagnant. And so I want to challenge you, if you look around like, well, I'm not doing anything. I want to challenge you this morning that, to just simply one little thing. Say, God, I'm willing to serve wherever you want me to. I don't know what that is. You know, I'm busy, God, and I've got all kinds of stuff. And he'll say, yep, I know. But God has something for you, too. And so ask him to show you and take a little step in some direction and try it and allow him to not only bless you, but to make you a blessing to other people. That's what He's called us to do. Our life is to be a sacrifice, not just to one another, but the community at large, to all the people. You guys have heard me say this so many times, but as people around us are hurting, they're lost. Life is messy. They are looking for answers. They're looking for hope. They're looking for a rhyme and a reason. And we know the only thing that makes sense in this crazy world is Jesus. He's the only one that, that kind of cuts through everything like, oh my goodness, now this makes sense. And you and I have that answer. And he wants to use our gifts to minister and to bless people into that world. So if you've got the gift of mercy, show lots of mercy to people who don't know Jesus and allow God to use that gift to touch their heart and soul with the gospel. If you've got the gift of hospitality, Use it. Make people feel welcomed and invited, whether it's at work, whether it's in your home. And for people that don't know Christ and who are outside the community, allow God to use that in their, in their life to touch them and to make them hungry and open for more. If you've got the gift of teaching, maybe you need to think about hosting a Bible study for people that don't know Christ. But whatever those are, use them inside and use them outside. So I don't know how God spoke into your heart today. But I do know that He challenges us to serve. So won't you stand? And whatever you feel God speaking into your soul this morning, would you simply just respond to that today? Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.